something I think special about us as a people coming together to actively serve other people. It's, it's baked. It's baked into the DNA of Christ's community church. That has always been a fundamental aspect of who we are. And then again, um, yesterday, you know, we have, I don't know, 42, 44, 46 boxes or whatever it is. Um, the cool thing about that is that as we sat here yesterday and we ate together and then we packed these together, we, we really didn't have many more people than we have in the room right now. And, uh, and yet we were still able to produce this together as a community. So, you know, it, a lot of churches out in the world that, you know, are just very inward focused and they come together and they think about their thing and what they have to do and their people and then they go on. And we at Christ Community Church have a vision for the world we 
And it's good when you, you meet that vision. It's good when you serve, but it's better when you have it be a collective, active thing that you do together. And hopefully in the future, as, as you look down the road, um, you know, the next six months, the coming year, we will have more opportunities. I just want to encourage you, if you hear of an opportunity where we're going to come together and we're going to do something, come and be part. Because it's good that we do it. Okay. Um, so we are in the second week of the series. I am thankful when. Um, and you know, sometimes, a lot of times, in living with God and dwelling in His kingdom, we can be thankful when the world looks at you and goes, what do you have to be thankful for? And uh, I'm actually going to... Springboard is when you go forward from something. I, I, that's springboarding backwards for what Tracy did. I actually want to take where Tracy ended last week, and I want to go... I want to do the prequel. Because if you were with us, if you, if you listened online, you know that Tracy talked to us about, I am thankful when the morning comes. And it's beautiful. It's great. It's a wonderful thing. Um, and serve us with us particularly. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We, oh, we know. We know that in the darkness of night, in the darkness of circumstances, there comes a point when the light will dawn. And this, this is a universal truth that extends beyond the Bible. I mean, this goes back to however many units of time, measure, ago you want to use when lesser developed human beings than ourselves sat around campfires at night, frightened of everything, every sound, every movement, beyond that border of the fire they sat around. Because out in the darkness, there was fear. I mean, it's universal. It's so universal. Hollywood knows this. You know this. Horror movies, people. Take what you have before, you know, before we had all tour directors who needed to turn all the tropes of Hollywood on their heads and do wild and crazy things. It was universally understood that if you could survive through the night, when the sun rose, you would be safe. When the sun comes up, the vampire runs back to his coffin or he turns into the ashes, right? We know this because in the morning, we know that in the morning, the werewolf is going to turn back into a guy, and then you can kill him real easy then. We know this because it goes back to this idea that with the light of morning comes hope. I have made it through the night. I have made it through the storm. I have made it through the darkness. And with the dawn comes the hope. Jesus was a master of this. Jesus, Jesus hanging out with guys who are professional commercial fishermen. They're in a boat. 
and Jesus falls asleep. Me, I'm already, I'm like, I don't understand falling asleep in a boat. I don't go on boats because I know I will be the guy on the boat chumming the waters. And I will be the guy on the boat going, I can't, I can't, can we go back? And all the other guys on the boat will be going, in about seven hours, suck it up. And that's why I don't get on a boat. Jesus is on the boat. Jesus is a carpenter. He is not a fisher guy. He is not a lake guy. He is not an ocean-going dude. And he falls asleep. And the professional fishermen guys are like, bro, we're all going to die. It's probably something more like, fellas, the seas are too rough to feed you. It's sure going to get to know you. Oh, man, you people. And so the commercial fishermen guys, the professionals, the guys who know this, they are scared to death. And they go to Jesus, and they wake Jesus up, and they're like, how can you be asleep? We're all going to die. Jesus gets up, and he's like, who dies? And he, like, stands up, and I imagine he puts his arms up to the wind and the waves and the dark sky. And he says, hey! That's about enough of that in Aramaic. And everything stops. And the sky lights up and the clouds disappear and the winds die down. And the darkness is gone and the sunlight returns and there is hope. That's the end of the story. But here's Sometimes the morning comes and the sun rises and the storm does not go away. Sometimes morning comes and the sun rises and the darkness is still with us. Last week, Tracy said, I am thankful when the morning comes. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the fact that I am thankful when I am waiting for the morning. Because we will all find ourselves in this position. We will all find ourselves, if we haven't already, we will all find ourselves in cages where hope is so hard to find where we have gotten through the dark, dark night to find the next day comes, and there is no relief. There is no morning. We can't find the joy that Scripture promises. Because sometimes storms and darkness just continue day after day after day, and there is no sign on the horizon that it is going to end anytime soon. So what do we do then? We spend our nights worried and sleepless, our minds racing, trying to find solutions to problems we haven't even identified yet, 
trying to find some way to solve this issue that is beyond our ability to solve. And the morning comes, and what do we have? The same problems that we do in sleep. And the only hope sometimes we can find is that in the new day, we have the normal standard problems of life to deal with that prove to be a distraction from the storm. It's hard. See, because we know we would love Jesus, we would follow Jesus, we would live life with Jesus, but Jesus does not always make the storm. But I, I personally, have come to learn to live in such a way, to live at a point where in the midst of the storm, I can be thankful. In the middle of the storm, I can be thankful as I'm waiting for the morning. Life is not waiting for me. And and this is this is not something. This is not something that you can acquire. This is not a place you can live your life in by head knowledge alone. In the midst of the storm, you can't just tell yourself, "Well, God is here with me," because in very short order, it starts to feel like a lie. I know God's supposed to be here with me, but I can't see Him. I know God's supposed to be here with me. I can't feel Him. How do I be thankful? See, it's something we have to learn to do. We have to learn to live our lives in the presence of Jesus during the good times. We have to learn to recognize His presence, recognize His voice. Learn to develop that relationship that then... When the dark comes, when the storm comes, and there's no hope on the horizon, we can honestly say, we can honestly live in such a way that my hope is here with you now. And whether this storm lasts a night, a week, months down the road, I can be thankful, I can be hopeful, because my hope is here. Doing some looking around, start thinking about Job. Job went through some stuff, right? But I was like, I was like, how long did Job go through some stuff? Some commentators are going, you know, okay, it had to be at least a few weeks. Because, you know, the initial events Job go through start happening, and, you know, there's travel time for the events to happen, and then Job gets the news. And then, you know, we find out the word gets out about all Job's going through, and then his friends, you know, we have the time that takes place for them to find out the news, and then they gather up their stuff, and they make the journey over to Job. So, you know, at least a few weeks, one commentator was suggesting, you know, it could have been as much as two years. I mean, think about it. We think about Job. Wow, it's horrible to Job. But we always think in kind of short-term models, I think. I think we tend to think everything in the Bible kind of happens in a very compact timeline. What if Job was going through everything Job went through over the course of two years? Some of us don't have to imagine. Some of us know. 
Some of us have lived our storms for months and years at a time. And have lived storms in such a way that it's easy to go, I, I can't, I don't see, I don't know where you are, I just, I just want to give up, I just want to stand over. There's another story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those guys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three little Jewish guys from Israel, got taken captive. They got sent back to Babylon, right? Good, 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 good. And uh, their king, King Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, said, I'm going to make a big statue, and when all the musicians in the entire world play all at the same time, you're going to bow down, you're going to worship this statue of me because I'm cool like that. And so they started doing it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going, look, you know, you are awesome. We love the town great place. We are going to do our best work for you, but we simply cannot worship you as God because we already have one of those. And he's like, boys, we'll give you one more shot, but then if you if you don't do what I said, I'm going to have some of my guys throw you into an oven. All these issues in the world, right? They don't do it. They're like, all right, you had a chance, you're going in the oven. They make the oven even hotter. I don't know. You know, it wasn't like a gas thing. It, it probably it was like, like primitive charcoal involved, I imagine. But, I mean, they heat this bad boy up. They heat the oven up so hot that the guys who come and grab Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, like, grab them and they're going, all right, all right, all right. One, two, three. And they toss them, and then they burst into flames and die. I mean, the guy's doing the throwing. The oven is so hot, the guys who threw the other guys in burst into flames and die. And then you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around in this oven. They're like in the oven. They're standing around, standing up, walking around in this oven. So that, that tells you how big this thing is. We know from the story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego don't die. This is a story that takes place in a very confined time frame. But i got to imagine... You know the theory of relativity? Somehow it seems to me normal time and walking around in an oven time are not the same experience of time. Like, I gotta imagine a minute out here feels like hours and hours and hours and hours in here. And they're walking around, we get some idea because in, in Previous translation says uh, an angelic being shows up. It's translated, this one looks like the Son of God. And so some people are like, it was Jesus, it was Jesus, it was God. Or it was an angel, or it was Michael, or, you know, it was a weird fire ripple thing. I don't know. But they're in there. And their hope remains. Even in the midst of this thing where time seems to be dragging on, their hope remains. Because their hope is not based in an understanding of God. Their hope is based in a lived-out relationship with God. If you have ever been through those storms in your life, you know. Either... You did the best you could to just try to get by day by day. 
hoping that somehow things would get better. And hopefully, at some point, things did. Or, in the midst of that storm, you relied on faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that says, God, I don't know why this is happening. But God, I know you are good. I know you are with me. I know you have brought about these circumstances for a reason. And I know you see what's on the other side. You know how this all turns out. And so I am going to rest in you. See, when we're in the midst of the storm, we're always looking ahead. We always want to know, when's it going to end? God is not worried about when it's going to end. God wants to build in us the kind of faith that says, Father, give me what I need for today. Father, don't let me worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be bad enough. Let me just focus on today and give me what I need to make it through. Not to survive the day, but to live the day. Because he is good, and his goodness he wants to share with you. He is strong, and that strength is something he wants to share with you. He is present, and that presence is something he wants to share with you. And we need to grow into that to realize that we can no longer have a child's understanding of the goodness of God. A child looks at the goodness of the Father and says, when the bad thing is over, when the God, when Father made the bad thing end, that's because God is good. We need to understand God is good because He is with you every single moment of the trial, of the storm, of the darkness. And that has to be a choice. It's not a feeling. That is faith. That is faith that says, my God brought me to this moment, and my God will see me through, and I don't know why it's like this, and I don't know why it's terrible like this, and I want this to be over, but I will rely on God. I will be thankful as I wait for the morning. See, what does God tell us in Deuteronomy? Be strong. This is being said to you, being said to the people of God, be strong, be courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. Them probably being an opposing army, but in this case, the troubles, the storms, the trials, the fears, the doubts. Do not be in fear of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never Leave you or forsake you. Here's a thought that hit me. I don't know, maybe it's deep, maybe it's wise. I don't know. The last time, the last time a human being was left. by God was Jesus Christ. 
Christ on the cross. There has never been a human being in all of history since that moment who has been left behind, been forgotten, been forsaken, been rejected by God. Up to You can make the choice to recognize God is here with you now, and I will be thankful no matter how long this storm lasts, no matter how long the darkness goes on, and I will then be thankful when He brings me through the other side. This story I want to I want to close with here. I think this is what God wants for us. I think this is what we should want for ourselves. This is what we should seek to grow into to become people such as this. There's a guy named Elijah. He's like prophet number two. He was good. He was solid. I mean, he was no Elijah. But, you know, he was pretty good. Tried to get his name the same and everything. He had Elijah's coat. It was cool. He's a really good prophet. He kept prophesying against the king of Syria. And the king's like, I'm tired of this guy. He's irritating. Let's say we go kill him. And all the king's guys are like, yeah, yeah, that seems good. So Elisha's out in the middle of nowhere with a servant, as one has. It's late at night. All of a sudden, the king military commander and his entire army come riding out of nowhere and surround Elisha in the dark of the night. In the dark of the night when any rational human being goes, I am not thankful for the light of day because when the light of day comes, I know it's going to The Bible tells us that Elisha's servant is totally freaking out. It actually says that. They don't translate it like that anymore. He's totally freaking out. He's like, we're going to die. We should, we should do something. We should try to run. Maybe we can dig our way out. Uh, we can go off Shawshank. It'll be cool. We've got to get out of here. We're going to die. Because Elisha's faith is not based on reading the words and understanding what they mean. Elisha's faith is based on having the words in his heart and the faith that comes with that. And his faith is so great that he is able to see beyond the storm. He is able to see that realm. They can see the fires of this army surrounding them, and it's scary. All the guys in the world have ridden down to kill these two dudes. 
Surrounding him, surrounding this army, the hills are alive. Yeah, I'm not gonna. With chariots of fire. And hordes, platoons, battalions of angelic warriors surrounding. My prayer for you this morning is my hope that you will learn to live in such a way in the good times when you have the opportunity. Learn to live in reliance on God. Learn to recognize the voice of Jesus Christ. Learn to recognize the move of the Holy Spirit in your life so that when the darkness comes, you can go, It's so easy when the storm comes, when the trials come, particularly when they're ongoing, the end is uncertain, and we don't know how long they'll last. We don't know how long we'll be afflicted. We don't know how many sunrises will come before the storm fades. But we know, Father, that you are good, you are powerful, you are loving and compassionate, and you will be with us, and you will provide for us exactly what we need in each and every moment. But you do not leave us alone, for you are present with us, and you have given to us a family, a heavenly family, the church, the body to love us and support us and to help us realize we do not need to travel the storm alone. My prayer this morning, Father, that wherever we are, whether we've just come through the storm, we're in the midst of the storm, or we're relatively certain there will be another storm in the future. Help us, Father, to turn our lives to you, to share our lives with you, to develop the relationship with you that we need to, in all circumstances, say, My God is good. He will never leave you nor forsake you.
last week, my friend, was speaking about somebody, and I got somebody to come with me. 